you've been here the past two weeks, we've been talking about the word global. We've been saying it over and over again. Uh, and more specifically, we've been talking about uh, what we've called the Buddhist world, which is really this section uh, of our world, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, uh, in that area, a little bit into China, a little bit into Nepal, and some of those areas. A billion people in our world right now are, are stuck in uh, the bondage of Buddhism, which we know very little about. We hear some famous actors and famous people in America who are Buddhist, but we have no idea the bondage and the junk that has been going on. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a missionary guest with us. His name was Mark Doreen. Mark and his family have been missionaries in Thailand for over 30 years. Mark was born in Sock Center. He's one of us. Central Minnesota is where he grew up, where he went to high school. But at the age of 14, God called him to be a lifetime missionary. And, and he was here a couple weeks ago, shared a message on, on Buddhism and on the Buddhist world. And for me, uh, it has just been a powerful thing. Mark and his wife are one of the 60 or so missionary partners that we have uh, with River of Life Church scattered all over the world. We are a church that focuses on local ministry, and we're a church that focuses on uh, the next generation, kids and teenagers uh, and all of that, but we're also a church that is globally focused, and today, what I want this to be about is I just want us to simply ask the question, why global? Why global? And that's all I'm going to give for an introduction. Let's get into it. Stand with me all over this place. And uh, we're going to begin by just praying together and inviting God into this moment. Here we go. God, we, we look to you. We need you. We are hungry for you. We want the things that matter to you to matter to us. And God, I just pray. I pray that as we look to your word today, that significant things would come. Don't let any of this be about me or about a stage, or any of that, Lord, we are truly looking for you to be glorified in every moment, in everything we do, in everything we say. Uh, God, we give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. <clears throat> All right, here we go. We got a lot to get through. Why global? Why global? That is the question that we're asking. It's a question that we get often, actually. Uh, we're a church that talks a lot about the world. We talk a lot about missionaries and a lot about missions. We take a lot of offerings around here for that, and we give a lot of money uh, away to, uh, to global things all over the place. And oftentimes, we have people that don't like that. We have people in our, in our church family that don't think that that's what we should be doing. And maybe for you, Maybe for you, you've struggled with that, and you hear us talk about that, and you're saying, well, what about right here? What about, okay, our neighbors and all this type of stuff? And so the question that I want us to, to dive into scripturally today is just this idea of why global? Why, why are we so focused in so many different ways on the world? Uh, and so that's where we're going to go. And so two parts here today, if you're taking notes, we are global. I'm going to give you the answer just right away. Uh, and so we're global because, number one, God has a global heart, and number two, because Jesus gave a global mission. And so let's start 
with the first one. Uh, write this down. The church should be globally focused because God has a global heart. Now, understand this. God has been and always will be a global God. And the Bible is a global book. We don't have a God that is just American. We don't have a God that is just central Minnesota. We have a God that is completely global. And again and again in the Bible, we read all the earth, all people, all nations, comes up all the time. All right? Uh, Psalm 46 It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, among the nations, in the earth, all people, okay? Um, Even Jesus uses uh, all nations and the whole world kind of language all the time when he was talking. Matthew chapter 24, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16, God so loved Americans. No, that you tricked us. God so loved the world. He loved the world uh, so that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. Understand that when we read the Bible, we read of a God that created all people, Created every single person. People who are bad, people who are murderers, people who are living around the world in all sorts of messed up religions, doing messed up stuff. God created them. They were created by God in the very image of God. The people that you don't understand in cultures that seem so far away and so messed up, just understand the God that you serve, the God that we are singing to, is the God that created them. We were created in the very image of God. God spoke and the earth and the sea was made. All people were created by God for his glory. There aren't some people in the world who were not created by God. And that sounds obvious and that sounds like, like third grade maybe around here. But for some of us, you need to understand God created everyone, every person. God is a global God with a global heart. The book of Revelations gives sort of the end goal. Uh, This is Revelation chapter 7. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is how it ends. This is the end game, the end goal of it all that every nation and every tribe and every tongue would gather together in the name of Jesus, declaring goodness and worship to our God. Understand that heaven is not going to be filled with just white people. That's a funny thing to say, but statistically, there's going to be a lot more darker-skinned people than white-skinned people in heaven. It's just a reality, and for us as Americans, we just sometimes don't think of stuff this way. Just understand the global nature of our God. God is a global God with a global heart, and that by itself should cause us to care about the world as people. But not only is God a global God, but the second part, we're going to spend a little more time on this, and that is that Jesus gave a global mission Jesus gave a global mission. We could look in several places in the Bible 
things that Jesus said throughout his time on earth. But the clearest of all of these, uh, the global mission of Jesus, is found in what we now call the Great Commission. It's basically the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he uh, left. We have it recorded in slightly different ways, three different times in the Bible. Let me show them all to you quickly. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says this. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Mark 16, same story out of Mark's perspective. He just says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Acts chapter 1, written from Luke's perspective, uh, says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Same thing, written slightly different ways, but basically we have Jesus right before he leaves earth. His mission to his disciples is like, hey, I'm leaving, and when I leave, here's your mission. Okay, Closest followers, go into the entire world and tell people what you have seen and what you have heard. Teach them about me. Tell, teach them how to live for me. Be my witness everywhere to all people. It's this clear, precise, detailed, like, and to these followers understand this, this would have sounded crazy. Let me explain. In fact, one of uh, the, the bottom one here from the story of Acts, this was fascinating to me. In Acts chapter 1, a couple verses before we read this right here, there is a question that the disciples ask Jesus. And when you read it as a big picture, and don't just take this by itself, what Jesus says here in 1.8, is it, it almost appears to be a response to the question that the disciples have just asked. Okay, check this out with me. This is fascinating. Uh, verse number six. This is two verses before Jesus gives them this mission. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, <clears throat> are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now understand what we just read here. What we have is a massive misunderstanding of the entire situation by the disciples. Do you catch that already? I'll, I'll explain it even farther. For months, Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom of God, and, and very simply, they get to the very end here, and they do not get it. They're missing the entire point. The disciples here are clinging to a belief that the Messiah was going to come and save them, save Israel. Do you hear that? Do you see that now? Okay, <clears throat> don't miss the story here. Jesus has just died. Jesus has just been crucified. The, he raises from the dead and the disciples are here. Jesus comes back to life. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. It's supernatural, everything that has happened. And Jesus begins to talk to them. The story says Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days before he floats off into heaven or vanishes, or we don't really know what that looked like. He disappears and leaves, all right? And Jesus begins to talk to them in this period, but they don't understand. They're way off. At this point, the disciples think that all of this is about them. They are thinking Israel, this is national pride at its greatest. 
Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is what they asked. This would be like Jesus being born in America, dying, raising from the dead, and now the American Christians gather around him and we say, so Jesus, are you now going to march up into Washington and fix this godless political mess so we can be a Christian nation again? Understand the context here of what's happening. It's self-centered. It's self-focused. It's misunderstanding Jesus and why he died and why he came. Israel is all that matters. Our nation, our kingdom, that's what this is about. That was them. That was the disciples misunderstanding Jesus, making this about their nation, their country. Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Now, don't miss this. Don't miss how Jesus responds. He responds with Acts 1.8, what we read earlier. And for these Jewish disciples, I can't explain to you how shocking this would have been for them. Here's what he says in response to their question. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he's taken up from their sight, and a cloud hid from him. Okay. Uh, according to Luke, the, this is the last thing that Jesus says on earth before he disappears. And he says, hey, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when this happens, you'll receive power, and here's what you do. You're going to be my witness. Now, the word witness is just defined as someone who tells about what they saw. You're going to be my witness, and you're going to tell, and, and he lists off, and he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, let me quickly put these four things in context for us today. Some of you have heard this stuff before, and that's okay. It's a good reminder. Go ahead and put that next slide up on the screen for me. <clears throat> okay, Jerusalem. This is the people in your city that are like you. The people in your city that are like you. In the context of Jesus and these disciples, this was fellow Jews. This was people who looked like them, people who talked like them, people who ate the same food that they ate and went to the same places that they went to. And so just understand the context here for a moment with this. Part of our mission as Christians and as the Christian church is that we would reach our neighbors, our family members, the people that look like us, talk like us, live like us, around us. This is Jerusalem. This is what that is for you, and, and this is what it is for us. Second, Judea, which is the people in our region that are like us. For the disciples, this would have been a 50 or so mile uh, region around the city of Jerusalem. These people would have also been fellow Jews. Again, people that looked like them, talked like them, ate like them. Okay, For us, this could be central Minnesota, it could be all of Minnesota. It could even be the entire Midwest. But specifically, this is people like us. This would not have included other ethnic groups. It would have not have included people of different nationalities or even people of different languages, even though some of those people are living in that area. But understand, part of our mission as the Christian church in America here is that we would reach our region for Christ. Central Minnesota, we should reach Bruton and Belgrade and 
Albany and Osakis, okay? Minnesota, maybe Wisconsin. I haven't figured out yet, okay? But understand, understand what this looks like. Understand people who are like us, who look like you, talk like you, dress like you, eat like you, all of that type of stuff. That is our mission. That is Judea, is what that is. Jesus continues, Samaria. And this would have just been the most shocking, crazy thing that these disciples would have ever heard. They, they would have, their mouths would have went, what in the world is going on here? Samaria. For us, maybe you don't understand the context of Samaria in this culture and what this is. And then remember, the disciples have just finished asking Jesus if he is going to restore the kingdom of Israel now. And he responds by including Samaria. Samaria is the region inside of the nation of Israel, but the everyday normal Jewish person did not live there. Samaria was home to Samaritans. And Samaritans were ethnically a kind of half-breed for the Jewish people. They were part Jewish and part something else. In history, the Jewish people mingled with people from other nations and other things, and it created these half-breeds nationally. <clears throat> We don't understand this stuff because we're all half-breeds of all sorts of things. But in this time, this was so different. Being a Jewish, pure Israelite was significant. That's Jesus' heritage. That's Paul's heritage. Peter, all of the people, all of these disciples are Jewish purebreds is what they are. Samaritans were a mess. They believed in a different type of worship of God. They believed in things that were not okay to the Jewish people. In fact, you can read in history uh, people saying crazy things like a good Jew would, would find time to pray that zero Samaritans enter the kingdom of God. Uh, you can read stuff like this in history. This wasn't just like, oh, I don't really like them. This is pure hatred that I'm not sure that any of us really can truly understand. It's racism in a, in a horrible way. And Jesus says, I want you to be my witness. I want you to tell of what you have seen and heard to Samaria. Hold on a second, Jesus. Aren't we going to like establish the kingdom of Israel here? Like, and Jesus is saying, good grief. No, I want you to go to the Samaritans. I want you to go there. So what's the context for us? This is people who live around us who are not very much like us that this is people who live here in central Minnesota or in America, and maybe English is not their first language, that this is people who believe very differently than us. We could take this other directions and say people who are on the very other side of the political spectrum of you, and you listen to them, and you cannot understand for a moment why they believe what they believe. That's what this is. <clears throat> this is the inner city man with a very different skin color, that you uh, just find yourself locking the door in your car as they walk by. This is the Somali person you see at Aldi in St. Cloud. It's the Hispanic family that lives in your neighborhood. Okay, These are people that sometimes we dislike. Sometimes these people make us feel angry, and sometimes they just make us feel super uncomfortable. Do you know what I'm talking about? And Jesus, 100% knowing exactly what he was saying and doing, tells the disciples to go to those people and be witnesses to those people. 
understand part of our mission as Christians and as a church is that we would reach the people around us that are not like us. And that is so hard because by default, we like to talk to the people who sound like us. We like to talk to the people who think like us. But Jesus is so clear here. He's like, the people like you, go to them. The people that are in your area that are like you, go to them. The people who are super different than you, go to them. Go to them. No matter the feelings we have, no matter how uncomfortable that makes us, it's the mission of Jesus. And I believe with everything that I am that this is the mission of the church. And finally, he just like opens the whole floodgates and just says to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. This is people outside of your nation. In our context, this is outside of the United States of America. Uh, for the Jewish people, this would have, they would not have even understood what this meant. In fact, later on in history, as the Apostle Paul is going to have a supernatural experience uh, in a few chapters from here, and he's going to begin to travel into the Roman Greek world, and people in these Roman Greek worlds, get they find Jesus in a supernatural way, and you know what ends up having to happen? Paul has to go back to Jerusalem, and they stand up and they say, what you're doing is not right. <clears throat> and Paul says, supernatural stuff, Jesus stuff is happening among the Greeks. And they have this massive discussion in the, in the city of Jerusalem, in the Christians in Jerusalem. And they're trying to figure out whether or not Greek people can actually be included in the kingdom of God. They didn't get it. Jesus said it, but they don't get it. It's incredible to the ends of the earth. Understand Part of our mission as Christians and as a church is that we would do everything we can to bring the message of Jesus to people around the world, people we will probably never see in person, people that live in cultures that are night and day different than ours, people who believe in all sorts of whack spiritual things, people who are in desperate spiritual situations, even people who are violent and bad. And listen, like, I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to sound unpatriotic. This gets messy. I love America. It is my home. I'm grateful for the life that I have been given. I, I, at no point do I want to minimize any of that. But as Christians, when we start saying things like, our focus should be America, and we say things like, we have issues here, we need to take care of here. Understand, we begin to sound an awful lot like the disciples here. Do we focus attention on America? Absolutely. Like that this is not, we don't. I mean, 100%. Do we focus our attention on Minnesota? Yes, we do. Do we focus our attention on central Minnesota and reaching the people right here, right now? Absolutely. But listen, do we focus on the world? Do we focus on the ends of the earth? We must. We must. It is not either or. It is not one or the other. It is both and. Why global? Because God has a global heart understand he created every single person everywhere and Jesus just flat out gave a global mission and understand if it was not for the global mission of Jesus, you would not be allowed to go to heaven. Just think if everything played out exactly as the disciples thought it should. 
And the gospel of Jesus stays in the Jews and, the Isra- and Israel is reestablished. That is not why Jesus came. It's not why he came. He didn't come just for you and your family. He didn't come just for central Minnesota. He didn't come just for America. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. Go into all the world and tell people everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now listen, we we talk about spiritual growth. And I want to grow spiritually and all of that. We say that stuff, but understand spiritual growth is not just learning more about the Bible. And it's not just knowing more about God. It's not more and more Bible verses than you did before or understanding things that in, a, in a way that you didn't. Spiritual growth is when life becomes more and more about God and what he wants and less and less about me and what I want. It's what spiritual growth looks like. If we have on this side everything that I want in life and we have here everything that God wants, spiritual growth is moving this way on the line where the things that matter most to God begin to matter more and more to me. And we never get there, by the way. We never get all the way there, but we grow spiritually by moving in that direction. When the things of God begin to matter more and more, and the things of me begin to matter less and less. And that leaves me just with the question, how do I respond to God's global heart? And how do I respond to Jesus' global mission? An easy answer for us is just this. I either go or I send. I either go or I send. What do you mean, go or send? I mean, we should either personally go to the places that the gospel has not reached, think like missionary here, or we should be a part of sending others to do that. Sending others to those who the gospel has not yet reached. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the go part, but just understand with me, there are people in our culture, there are people even in our church family who God is asking to go. Understand that. We have a family in Turkey right now that is from the second service, middle section, fourth row. And they are in Turkey right now as missionaries. We have another family from our church that is on their way to live amongst Chinese Muslims. And the heart, the passion that they have for that. Two weeks ago, we heard Mark Doreen tell his story from Sak Center to 30 years in Thailand. He made the statement, I have, as a minister of of the Bible, I have preached more times in Thai than I have in English in my life. And for some of us, we cannot fathom that. And for some of us, we push back and say, that's not even right. But God calls people to go. And God is calling some of us in this place to go. But the rest of us, our mission includes sending those who are going. Your mission includes America. Don't mishear me. This is not either or. Okay, we already said that, right? But your mission should include sending those who are going. We talk a lot about financial giving, financial sacrificing to help people go. We unashamedly provide opportunities for this, but the last three weeks, including today, as we've been talking about the Buddhist world, we've been presenting a different side of sending, a side that is often just forgotten about, and that is we send people by being purposeful and strategic with our prayers. 
We be purposeful and we be strategic in our prayers. And uh, we all like, we all raise our hands saying, I believe in prayer. And this, even this morning, as I walked around and talked to people and a couple, of, a couple of people in this place talked about the power of prayer in their life. And what I know, I know prayer has impacted me, yet so few of us are strategic and purposeful about praying for the world and praying for the missionaries that we are sending uh, every, everywhere we could imagine. These past few weeks, I have been super convicted by the Holy Spirit. I must be more strategic and I must be more purposeful about praying for our missionary partners and praying for the world. A, a pastor friend of mine came up with the concept that he calls missions moments. And he went on to basically say this. He said, we create goals in our churches for missions giving. We talk about it. We prioritize. We, we take special offerings all the time. And listen, for us, like we do that. And you know that if you have been here. We talk a lot about missions giving. We, it's, it's a big deal to us. And it's a big deal to me personally as me and my family like sacrifice and give to, to, to missions in the world. I received an email this week about our church, our church family's global mission, missions giving. Listen to this. Out of the 11,000 Assembly of God churches in America, we were the 105th highest missions giving church. That's ridiculous. 105th out of 11 out of over 11,000, we celebrate that. But my friend said, he said this line. He said, what if we begin to treat praying for our missionaries in the same way we talk about financially sending and supporting them? And he said, we have goals of hundreds of thousands of dollars being used for the glory of God around the world. What if we had goals as churches to pray for hundreds of thousands of moments? for the glory of God to be proclaimed in all of the earth. What if, as a church, we prayed for 500,000 moments in a year? What would we see? What would begin to happen? I mean, again, we're quick to talk about the power of prayer, and we're quick to say things like, we pray first around here. But as a church family, I just feel in my heart that we have a long way to go when it comes to this area of sending global workers for the glory of God and covering them with constant prioritized prayer. So what does it look like for us to pray for missionaries, to send people in this way? Well, we take moments and we pray. We just pray, God, we pray for Mark Doreen in Thailand. Use him for your glory. Use him to speak your word. Use your story through him to the Buddhist people. Be with him. Go before him. We pray prayers like this. And we pray, God, I pray for the Buddhist world. A billion people, God, do something supernatural. Do something significant. Change hearts. Soften hearts. God, we pray that those people would feel deep inside that there is something they are missing. And we begin to cry out on behalf of our missionary partners and the people around the world who are so desperate and in need. Change them. Now, before we go, 
Let me give you a few things that we are doing to help with this in our church family. First, first, the third Sunday of every month, which is today, during the Sunday evening prayer, we pray on, pray on Sunday evenings, we're going to take some time to focus praying for our missionary partners. So if you want to be a part of that, the third Sunday at 6 o'clock, we pray together and we do that. You can come be a part of that if you want. Second, we are trying something brand new. This is a total experiment is what it is. Uh, this next Tuesday morning at 7.30 a.m. right here in this place, we are actually going to have um, our missionary partners from our church who are in Turkey. We're going to face message them or whatever you want to call it. And we're going to have them on the screen and we're going to take a moment to pray for them live. Just 15 or 20 or 30 minutes that we're just going to do before that. So if you want to come, listen, we, we don't know if we're going to do this more than one time. We'll see how it goes. But if you want to come this week at 7.30 a.m. right here, we're just going to take a few minutes to pray for our missionary partners face-to-face. Okay? That sounds like a cool thing. For some of us, you can make that happen. Okay? Uh, next, <clears throat> let me show you something that I use with my family at dinner time. Uh, we've created this little flip thing. It's kind of like what you'd see at a restaurant. But for us, this has all of, it has our missionaries on it. And we take this, and this is on our dinner table. And when we pray for our meal together, we take turns in our family praying for some of our missionary partners and my kids get so excited about this, and they grab the thing, and they take turns, and they love it. And they will pray. They'll pray, God, I pray for Garrett and Tara in Panama. 4.4 million people. And they're ministering to kids in, in the schools, refugee stuff. We pray that doors would open for them. And my kids pray for that. And then we switch to the next one the next night. And we do that over and over again. If this is something that you want and you will do this, come and talk to one of the pastors and we can have one of these made for you. Okay, we don't want to make a million of them for everybody because they cost a bunch of money. All right, but if you, if you seriously want to do this, it's a great way to teach your kids how to pray. It's such a great thing. Uh, <clears throat> two quick ones left. Ways that we're doing this. First, in the back of your chair, you had this thing. We've talked about this. We've talked about this the last few weeks, but this is a prayer initiative for praying for the Buddhist world. I think it's beautiful. It's incredibly well done. And if I could be honest about it, not to like bring, bring guilt in the whole thing, not very many people have responded to this. And it just gives you some little reminders. It gives you some notes. There's a little podcast thing that it takes you to where it's a three-minute prayer for the Buddhist world, and you just agree with them, and you pray with them. It is an incredible resource that we have. If you are serious about praying for missions and for missionaries, I want to challenge you to do that. Okay, and then uh, the final thing is this. We have created... Uh, just for this week, we have created a brand new thing we're going to be doing. It's a text message remind system. If you know what, if you have kids in the school, you get remind messages. And we're able to use this, this program for free in the same way. And what this is going to be, if you want to be a part of it, is on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we are going to send out 
uh, a little prayer reminder to anyone who wants this, uh, praying for a specific missionary, and you get a text reminder, and we want you to take a moment, and in that moment, just pray for that missionary, and you'll get another one later in the week that will just be a different people group. The Muslim people in China, 19 million of them pray that God moves in their hearts. And we just take a moment and we pray for that people group. And so if you want to be a part of this, write your name on that thing. Write your phone number. Here's how this will work. We're going to have a bucket you can put those in. All right? And we will take all of those, put them into that system. You will get a text message Monday or Tuesday when all of that is done that just kind of says your name has been put in this. Do you give permission to do it? You text back yes or no. Okay? And that's all that that is. It's super easy to, to get yourself out of that if you want to. But this, these are ways that we are, doing, that we are doing this, that you can be a part of it. Listen, the point here, and I know at the end here, we got like into all sorts of things and some of us are sleeping. The point is we must become a church that sends people to the ends of the earth with our prayers. We will continue to talk about finances. This is who we are. And we're, we unashamedly talk about global missions and funding that. But we as a church must step up. And it's my commitment to you that this is going to be me and that I will lead the way in this. But I need people. I'm looking for people. We are looking for people who will stand up and say, I am passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ being sent to the utmost parts of the world. And I'm committed to pray for that to happen, to pray for that. We believe prayer works. You pray for other things, believing that God answers your prayers. Let's cover our missionaries who are going and giving up their American life for a career in order to live amongst some of the most difficult people in difficult places in the world. And the least we can do is begin to cover them with, with prayers of God's supernatural stuff among them. Would you agree with me? Please stand with me all over this place. Music team, will you can please come? It's not just local. And it's not just global. The mission that Jesus gave is here and there. It's all around us. America should be our priority. America, central Minnesota, should be a focus for us. At the same time, the ends of the earth should come into the equation with us. It should also be our focus. We do both. We must. We must for the glory of God amongst all people, every person he has created, every person, God loves them. God desperately wants to see that Muslim extremist find Christ. We cannot fathom that stuff. People filled with hate, people worshiping demons, people doing horrendous things around the world, and people who are kind and loving and caring, but just nobody has told them. Our call as Christians, our mission as Christians includes the ends of the earth. Why global? Because it's the mission Jesus gave and because it's the heart of God.
God, we, we come to you today with our preferences, with our prejudices, with the things in our hearts that have been there for a long time. And God, I even just pray for this church family. I pray that we would have a, a healthy balance of the mission that you have given to the church. I pray that we would reach Bruton and Belgrade and Osakis and Albany and Long Prairie and our neighbors and family members here in Sox Center, that we would be passionate about reaching out to the people around us. But God, don't let us miss the people around the world that you created and that you love. The people who we will never meet. God, I pray that we would go, some of us, that as you call us, that we would respond. And I pray for the rest of us that we would be people who send. We send through financial partnering and stuff, but we also send people with our prayers, crying out on behalf of our missionaries, crying out on behalf of the people groups in our world that are so far from you. We love you, God. We need you. We worship you today in your name. We pray. Maybe you're here today, just for a moment before we're done. Maybe you're here today and you have never responded to the message of Jesus. A message that God loves you, that you're a sinner and you are in need of a savior. And maybe you have never for yourself inside said yes to that. The gift that God has given through Jesus, it's this beautiful thing. And if you will put your trust in him, the scripture says, you can be saved. That's the words the Bible uses. But if there's a decision that must be made, there's a moment that must happen as you say yes to the gift that he has offered. And with no one looking around here for just a moment, maybe you're here in this place and you'd say, I have never responded to that before. I've never, I've never done that. I'm not, I'm not asking you if you've been baptized or confirmed or any of that stuff. That's not what this is. This is a heart thing between you and God. Who here in this place would just simply say, I have never responded to Jesus in the way you're talking about it. I want to do that today. If that's you, just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? If you're watching behind a screen today, you can respond to the message of Jesus in your life. You can say yes to that. Anyone else in this place that would say, today is my day. This is my moment right here. Church, we're just going to say a prayer together to help those on this journey. These aren't magic words. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's a hard thing between you and God. But let's pray this together. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, will you put your hands together? Let's just celebrate a moment together.